We did it, guys. We made it. It's a Monday. We're live. These things are happening as we speak. The chat is on fire. We've got HB telling us that he's ready for September. He's going to skip over summer. I like summer. Summer's kind of my my yeah. jam. I enjoy yeah. summer. Me too. Are you, are you what's what's summer like up in Michigan, Ian? It's a dream. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, you don't want to leave, honestly. It's like uh, 80 degrees. Doesn't everybody uh-huh. have a lake house up there? What was that? Or is that Minnesota? Doesn't everybody have a lake house up there? Oh, yeah. Or one of those two, probably, right? Sure. It'll, it'll cool down to like 60 at night, heat up to 80. There's like maybe a week where you get bad heat in the 90s. Um, it's it's great. The oh rest gosh. of the year has got some, you know, pitfalls, but... Uh, yeah, man, we've got people from Buenos Aires coming in here. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. You guys checking in with us tonight. As everybody knows, this is the season where lots of fun stuff is happening. I'm using that in complete sarcasm. This is the slow time, but it's also a really good time to do a little bit of a checkup of where we've been and where we're going. There's a lot of stuff happening on the board right now. That board I'm talking about is, of course, InsideTexas.com. We please uh, check that out. We really recommend that you join us there. It's a really fun community. There's a lot of insight that comes from the experts on this board right now that are you see here, as well as a as a group of like-minded Texas fans. Uh, has R2D2 started recruiting yet? Of course, we're talking about Kenny Baker. Uh, that's a great question. Is he is he even on campus? What's the deal? Is the contract signed? No, Where believe, are we with that? Uh, I believe he's coaching the Senior Bowl right now. Uh, oh, okay. And, you know, that's a good segue into you know Texas uh, was by to see twenty twenty five commit Brandon Baker out in Florida, uh, and that was Shard Choice, Steve Sarkeesian, and Jeff Banks. Uh, so I think they went out there and laid the groundwork. Justin already has an uh, interview up from Baker tonight on Inside Texas, and he sounded pretty favorable about. His commitment, I know there's been a lot of concern with him regarding uh, Bo Davis's departure. Uh, he said he's going to talk to Kenny Baker sometime this week. So he's going to start picking up the pace on recruiting, but I do believe he's finishing his obligation to the Senior Bowl first. Oh, that's cool. Okay, great. We The, the questions are coming in. We've got one from Brett. God, I sound like a radio guy right now. This is cold. is killing me. All right. Will Texas be more of a run-oriented team this year while Quinn – develops chemistry with his new wide receivers. This is something we talked about. I talked with Drew about a little bit on our Sunday chat, the idea of the new guys coming in and how quickly chemistry can develop. I'm not really seeing a major change. Sark just kind of does what Sark does. But what are your thoughts on that, Ian? I would think not. I mean, they they seem like they're all in on next year. Um, Bond, Nye Black, uh, Bolden, and Golden all coming in through the portal is – quite a haul yeah um they're i mean they'll be like they were this year this year they were much more passing oriented but the jonathan brooks broke a thousand yards playing in like what eight or nine games so they're gonna have balance they're gonna play one against the other um i i don't think i mean if anything they may be less run oriented because quinn ewer's progression in executing progressions is likely to be very different than it was the last two years. Right. Right. But they, they will run the ball a lot and they'll do it probably better than they have in the past as well. Cause all their like infrastructure pieces are getting older. Right. 
Yeah. Older guards, uh, older quarterback. They, um, you know, they won a lot of games last year in a, in a lot of different fashions. So one game, it could be a heavy run oriented game. The next game could be more passing. I think they're going to run it quite a bit just because they're going to be good at it. Yeah. It's going to be efficient. Uh, but I think they'll really want to take advantage of, you know, Ewers' development, assuming that happens. I think Ian and I are both uh, pretty confident that Ewers, we're going to see the best of him. He's going to look like a different quarterback as far as a drop back passing game. Uh, but that goes hand in hand with uh, running the ball well. So I think it's going to be the first time that Sark really has the pieces to run his preferred style of offense. Some really, really good questions coming in so far. If you if you have a question, please throw it in there. Obviously, the 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 way to guarantee your question is going to get up there is the super chat. So please don't hesitate to throw that in there. This is kind of a fun one from our friend Jeff Grimes. What <laughs> is the dumbest workout that you have heard a previous strength and conditioning coach? utilize i know uh just speaking from some friends of mine in the uh collegiate hockey world they were really really big on squats and they literally would do them all the time like prior to skating all this stuff and they obviously you're just going to burn out your hips doing that but bu was really really into that have you heard anything uh, in that world eric I'm thinking, you know, I was thinking, I saw that question pop up and I, I've been running through to my, my mind. I'm nothing's coming up. I'm, I'm just going to text Malik Jefferson and tell him, tell me, uh, have him tell me what he, he thinks. What was the dumbest workout that they did uh, in his time at Texas? And we'll, see, right. we'll see if I, I get an answer up uh, during this broadcast. He's usually pretty good on text. Usually pretty good on text. One. I know a brutal one that it was probably not dumb and was probably pretty good that the, you can hear the swim team guys like Wethorn are a resident swim champion talk about well, what's the name of the legendary swim coach they have at texas uh Eddie reese reese he used to, he used to or still does have this one where you have guys on like a board with wheels and oh yeah. yeah paddle up and down the ramps of the dkr oh jesus <laughs> my god okay but i don't think that i mean i don't know i don't i don't it didn't sound, it sounded pretty practical to me and I don't think anyone's really criticizing Reese's coaching strategies. So, uh, but that's just the only one I thought of. No, it's a great, it's a fun question. I really appreciate that, Jeff. We're going to try to get, I'm going to get a better answer for that. But yeah, I, that's a, that's a good question. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll come back to that. If I don't circle back to it today, we'll get back to it. Cause I, you know, we, we actually just wrote an article about the workouts uh, this evening. Uh, it's something we like, we like to follow. Of course, there's not a ton to cover right now. So we, we focused on it anyways, but it's also a point of interest for us. So Eric, this might be a little bit uh, of a touchy one, so I'll only answer this if you feel uh, that it's appropriate. But can we talk a little bit about Dorian Brew? Is that a possible possibility? Yeah, you know, he was. Yeah, so he was he was meant to announce his commitment on the twenty fourth. Obviously, that that hasn't happened yet. Do you have yeah. any insight on that? Yeah, yeah. Dorian's about fifteen minutes from me. Um, his dad, Derek Brew, Olympian uh, from LSU. His mother's in the Ohio State Hall of Fame. She lives in Ohio. Uh, about an hour from Columbus. So I think they have been the favorite. Uh, but the more homework I do on him, the more I realize that he's open to staying in Texas. Uh, I think he's lived back and forth. Dad lives here, of course, mother up in Ohio still. Uh, so I think there's that always makes for an interesting dynamic. We've seen this mm -hmm. one before. Where, where, where does the kid want to live closer to, mom or dad? Or is, you know, how much does that factor into the decision at all? Uh, but right now we're hearing he's, he's open to staying in state. Uh, Texas is exerting more effort. Uh, Sark took the helicopter to see him a week or two ago. Uh, he's, uh, been increasing his contact with Texas and vice versa. So that's definitely one to watch. I'm actually going to go see him pretty quick. Uh, like I said, they're only 15 minutes away. I'll probably catch him at a track practice. Um, his dad actually says he thinks he can get him down to a 10, six, uh, with having his dad's <laughs> oversight 
Um, dad was, a, dad was a stud. Dad went to Klein Forest High School and, uh, you know, was, uh, at least, a, I think he's a bronze medalist, maybe even a gold medalist on one of those relays, but yeah, he's a, he's got a, he's a high upside athlete. Um, you know, Texas is a little bit more patient on recruiting corners. They, they, they have no problem playing the long game. We saw that with Terrence Brooks, how that played out. We saw it this past year with Kobe Black, uh, Wardell Mack. Uh, they were a little more aggressive on Santana Wilson, but that was a bit more of a layup for them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that one's going to get interesting. That one, uh, Devin Sanchez, they'll, they'll stay on him too. But corner, corner recruiting might take a while to play out. Great. Do you, this is, um, this is going back to another recruiting question. Well, this let's let's actually move to some guys that are that are on the table right now, players that we currently have. Can you talk about Collins and Benda? I mean, in terms of their development, where are they? I mean, can they play themselves into a high draft pick, or is this you know this is the year for them to do it? What are our and these are gosh, these are going to be pretty pretty subjective thoughts, I would think, but. Where are um, we? With I mean, Collins, Collins has early round NFL draft potential. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's, you know, I think he's got nearly as much upside as Tavondre Sweat. And we saw how that worked out for Sweat coming back. Uh, I think Collins is going to take the next step as uh, become more of a leader. I think it's kind of, uh, you know, on the same path that, that Sweat took. Benda, I'm not sure that he's an NFL player um, or early, at least an early round draft pick. But he's fast and he can play on special teams too. And there's there's a chance that you know guys like him stick around. He's got you know good work ethic. Um, you know he's not going to be a, a pain in the uh, locker room. Uh, so he's got a chance to, to catch on. I think as an undrafted or maybe even later round draft pick. But I don't think he's going to be an early round draft pick unless he takes a big play uh, step up and play. It's going to be tough for those guys to see the field. Honestly, I mean you know you're going to have Maurice Blackwell competing with them now. Kendrick Blackshear, I think we'll talk a little bit more about. So uh, it's not. It's not the easiest path to the field for Benda, but Collins can certainly get drafted early. Benda, Benda's kind of in that sweet spot where he has the right measurables and skill and attributes to be a good college linebacker, and does just not doesn't translate well to the NFL. Like short, quick guys that know where to be and can blitz translate a lot better in college than in the NFL, where you got to be able to beat blocks by big linemen you got to be able to yep he likes length tackle. yeah no that's always been that but and collins has no such issues with length uh and collins can fit a couple different defenses too so i think collins is going to get drafted in the second or third round at, at worst next year uh but he's got first round potential he's he's an athlete for being so big let's talk let's talk a little bit about some of the players that that we've brought in let's do just a little bit of a recap because i think there's this is obviously something that we've been talking about a lot over the last few weeks, but I think it'd be good to just kind of see where we're at, what we brought in, what your thoughts are on that, Eric. I think it'd be a good thing to kind of recap, if you don't mind. Yeah, we can go for a little closure because we're right at that. We're up against the line here where, you know, the last day that they could even add a guy is Wednesday, I believe. Right. Uh, as far as getting him into classes for the spring semester. So which guys do you want to talk about first? You- you want to go with the defense? Ian, why don't we talk about Blackshear? Because I think we're both uh, thinking that's a sneaky big pickup, sneakier than what we probably uh, have been giving it credit for initially. Yeah. So my impression is that he has a very good chance to start alongside um, Anthony Hill Jr. They're, uh, they both are like big, strong, in-the-box guys that are neither of them proven in coverage at all. Although I think Hill will get there with time. Um, But 
they have so many guys in the secondary now. They have Makuba and Barron now. It's like two veteran nickelbacks. They should be able to cover those guys up and just let them play in the box if they want. And if you do that and you're two, you have the option of playing those two guys in the box linebackers that stay there. Uh, Blackshirt, his value goes way up. Mm-hmm. And uh, his he just looks a lot better all of a sudden relative to a Blackwell or a Benda or anybody else. Yeah, and I think he does the best at addressing any concerns that we have about uh, defensive tackle. You know, if they're losing their run run stoppers up front in Sweat and Murphy, uh, you need a big back big backer behind the the newer guys, and that you know that they might not have the best run stopping defense. They they should be able to get after the passer pretty pretty good next year with Collins, Broughton, uh, Jare Bledsoe. Uh, but how are they going to hold up against the run? I think Blackshear's size back there, his physicality, uh, is going to benefit. I, I feel him as a as a pretty big pickup for that reason. Um, do you, do you like one of them at Mike or Will? I would want Blackshear at whichever one doesn't cover. So <laughs> that's been Will recently. Will. Yeah, Will. Um, they could they could shift things around, but that, that's probably the better way to do it. Yeah, I think I think Hill's destined for Mike and playing the Jalen Ford role. And we didn't see him in coverage a lot this year, but I heard he looked good at it in practice. It's kind of just a, a knowledge. Uh, he still needs to acquire the knowledge, you know, where to drop in the field and, you know, picking up on the, uh, on the, on the route concepts, but uh, he's got all the athleticism in the world to do it. He's, he's more athletic than Jalen Ford. So I, I don't really have any, any concerns there. And he's, he's a very, very fast learner. It's like, it's like the same thing as like a linebacker has to learn to, to read how the line is moving and watch for pullers and watch for lead yep. blocks and get in the right spot, you know, quick or else you get run over. And it just takes time, but the uh, covering routes is almost the same. You got to train your eyes to see this, yeah. to see that, and only instead of it, a huge guy coming to take off your head, it's uh, a little tiny guy coming to embarrass you and jock, juke you out of your socks in a space. So I, I think Hill, like you said, he's more athletic than Ford. He could do it. It's just a matter of he's never had to before. Uh, Denton, Denton, Ryan, you did not ever make him do that. They, they, they treated him like Alabama did Blackshirt and just left him in the box. So, right. all right, let me, uh, let's, let's get back to that question from Jeff Grimes. The dumbest workout you heard of a previous SNC. Malik go. Jefferson chimes in LMFAO, <laughs> the two mile 15 time run. That, <laughs> that is stupid for football. That is all right, stupid. Football is played in short bursts, not in seven and a half minute miles. Oh my so, God. So I can I get that one. So there's your answer, Grimes, from Malik Jefferson. That, that's that's fun. We might have to bring in uh, Malik uh, impromptu more often. Yeah, I'm, I have to under I really have to question the metrics that they're looking for there uh, in a yeah, two mile know. run. Yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like a let's see who was on Sixth Street. Yeah, yeah it could yeah. be that could be one that they did like the day after they got back from spring break. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah that that sounds more punitive than it does anything else. <laughs> Yeah. So, Can we talk right. a little bit? This is a this is a question about our new linebacker hires. We were just talking about Blackshirt a little bit. What what do we know about uh Nance's development history? Do we do we have any any insight into you know the players that he's specifically developed and, and moved well, forward? That linebacker right now, um Manu, Jacob Manu, uh who's all conference, all pack twelve came in as a three star. Um I didn't watch a ton of Arizona this year. I, I watched their, their best game, the most important game, beating OU. Um, but that's about it. He's, he's known as a good developer and a great recruiter. He's, he's a, he, that's his reputation. But I don't really have firsthand uh, 
knowledge of that like I'm going to I'm going to gain over these next uh, few months. Right. Right. Looking Manu into is, oh, uh, sorry. go ahead Ian. Manu is like a best case scenario of Benda. Yeah. 511 225 but he knows where to be and he's really quick on blitzes. So he definitely got the most out of that kid. He's coached uh D-line linebackers and running backs. So he he you got to assume that he's got a feel for the angles and the uh geometry of box play. Yeah. To be able I, to push it from so many sides. I think a new set of eyes is going to be good for Ben. It's always good. It's you know, you don't want to lose a good quality coach like Choate, but uh, getting different perspectives, you know, sometimes a coach can take a player as far as he can go. Uh, and, and, you know, they hit a, they hit a wall on the development. Um, and then a new coach can kind of come in and try some different things or or maybe see different things that uh, might work for a player. Uh, so it'll be interesting to hear about Benda. But it's, you know, Benda coming back is just huge for the locker room. The guy's one of the hardest workers on the team. He's a, he's a maniac in the weight room. Um, and with that lo- young linebacker room, uh, that's having that leadership is big. But yeah, him and Benda and Blackshear in, in the weight room probably be something to see. Oh, my God. Yeah. Massive dudes. Uh, you should know, Ian, that there's some people in the chat that really want to protect you. So I will uh, leave you alone for the remainder of this call. Let's move on now to uh, we've got some potential draft picks in this upcoming class. Who do we see as our as our favorites for potential draft picks? Quinn yours. OK, good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we'll go there. Uh, Quinn Quinn's going to be a first round draft pick. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, Alfred Collins can move his way up for sure. Kelvin Banks uh, maybe had a slight uh, drop in play as a sophomore, but um, you know the talent's still there. I know he's dinged up some, but I think he's you know he's a, he's a three year player most likely. Um, let me see. Just go by position. Um, no safeties. No linebackers. Kuba. Makuba. Makuba. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Makuba at safety. There you go. Uh, Trey Moore could probably get drafted uh, after this season. Um, Isaiah Bond, I think, is going to get one of Isaiah Bond and Matt, Matthew Golden are going to get drafted, uh, but yeah. perhaps even both. The, the coaches really want to keep this assembly line going, uh, mm-hmm. make it kind of a proof of concept to the portal where you can get really good wide receivers. Hey, if you need the, if you need your one shot to get to the NFL, we're the team to get you there. Uh, so one of Golden and Bond will make it and possibly even both. Uh, so they'll have they'll have plenty of representation. Baron Sorol will get drafted somewhere, uh, maybe fifth round, something like that. But Jim yeah, they'll have plenty. It won't be as much as this year, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a, a good amount for sure. Maybe Vernon yeah, Broughton could even work himself into a draft pick because he's so explosive off the ball. I, I mean, if Bledsoe exploded, he would be another. No, we we need him for twenty twenty five. He probably won't get enough. I, I think majors could go in a late round too. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, Bledsoe's part of my 2025 national championship uh, calculation, so hopefully only semi-blows up. This is a uh, a question that has been kind of circling the wagons, for lack of a better term, is is what's going on with Michigan. And obviously this isn't, you know, it's not the team that we cover, but it is kind of a national story right now with the new coaching hires. Any idea how many starters they may be losing? And as you pointed out earlier, Eric, I mean, the talk, the clock is ticking. We've got until Wednesday if anybody even wanted to jump into the portal. So that it's making that less and less likely. But I know that this has been a topic. What are, what are you hearing? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we're watching the developments today. You know, the rumors of uh, Grant possibly going in, the defensive tackle, the stud defensive tackle. Well, they've got a few of them, actually. But 
Uh, you know, the speculation, we haven't really heard anything on that. Uh, obviously, if he jumped in the portal, we feel like Texas would be quite aggressive. That's the biggest need. It was the biggest need coming into the portal. Uh, they addressed it with one guy, uh, Tia Savea from Arizona. But uh, that's not exactly the fit they're looking for. They need a big run stopper, which Grant would be. But if he doesn't get in the portal, it's not worth talking about, you know, at least until the spring. You know, that's, you know, like we said with Alabama, you know, Michigan was getting a bit of a discount on NIL. And uh, when the head coach departs, then, you know, I think a lot of things come, uh, you know, priorities change a little bit. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see how Michigan navigates NIL in the coming months. And can they keep these guys happy uh, when that spring portal window opens back up in May? So, that, yeah, we're, we're watching it. But Ian's got a lot of insight on Michigan. He's, he lives, you know, he's kind of our Michigan correspondent up there uh, right outside of Ann Arbor. How many starters are they losing? They're losing a whole bunch. I know that. I mean, a lot between the draft and, and the portal, like you said, it's hard to know because kids have to enroll early, uh, like, you know, in the coming days, but they, for sure. I, I've been hearing stuff for years that kids were playing for Harbaugh at a discount. Yeah. Um, and they are just, it's like I said, in, a, in another show, uh, I think with you, LC, everything you hear about Texas, that's been where they've been like institutionally bloated in the past or hesitant to be all in on football or just seeing like full throated chase for football glory to be a little bit unbecoming in the past, less so now. The same thing is true times like two or three at Michigan. Like they, without a maniac like Harbaugh running the football program as a thief within the structure, they're, they're just not really up for competition at the level that you would expect from a school like Michigan. They, um, their NIL fund, from what I hear, is uh, not where you would think a school with so many wealthy donors up and down other coast should be. So we'll see what we'll see what happens with them in the coming years. You know, it's interesting, those schools that are on the quarter system might be able to benefit more than a school like Texas, where, you know, the, the clock is ticking and it, it's over here pretty soon. Like, you know, Oregon's on the quarter system. So they might be a team that benefits. Uh, obviously, they're flush with NIL. So, yeah, I, I'd be watching Oregon for any uh, potential uh, Michigan studs if, if they go in. But if, 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 you know, if Grant goes in tomorrow, that's going to make for a wild day of investigating and, and reporting, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> So we've heard about the discount with Harbaugh. We've heard about the discount certainly with Saban. What what does Texas need to accomplish? What do they need to establish to get to the point where people are willing to take the proverbial NIL cut or discount to play at Texas? What do you see that looking like? Well, I mean, I think that's already uh, helping it, at least in, a little bit going in that direction. Uh, not entirely. Uh, but I think, you know, it's, you just need more guys in the NFL. It's it's, it's transactional. Right. You know, they, they'll take a discount if they feel confident that they'll be uh, developed and, and you know, push to become the next wave of, of Longhorns in the in the league. Uh, I think that, you know, you'll see that at wide receiver first. Uh, they've got a major discount out of uh, Arch Manning already uh, just because of, well, you know, they had some fortunate factors there. The family's already you know, does well financially. Um, but yeah, those, those positions that Sark has a proven track record and these other coaches do, you know, running back is you're, it's an assembly line right now, straight to the NFL. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's coming to, it's coming to Texas's way. Probably got to win the national championship to really start getting it, uh, to where it needs to be or getting the playoffs a couple more times, but it's had, it's headed in UT's direction. Uh, it's never probably going to be to the degree that the discount that Saban got or, or Harbaugh got, um, 
but I think it's it's trending in that direction, just maybe not as fast as Texas NIL would have would have liked. Sure. With uh, with Michigan, even before they even before they were able to beat Ohio State, they would still put really large numbers of guys in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, presumably because, and this will be part of Sark's pitch when he can make it with a track record, Michigan would play a lot of pro style concepts and teach a lot of pro style techniques. So it's like not only do you go to Michigan and you get to play for Harbaugh and win, but you're getting a much more draft-friendly film and and resume. So I think Derek's point that'll be very much Sark's pitch, especially after especially at wide receiver. Like Adonai, a couple more quotes from Adonai Mitchell about how much he learned from Chris Jackson at Texas, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, come here, maybe we won't pay you or maybe we will as much as some other school. But when you go two rounds higher in the NFL draft, you're going to make it back and more. Absolutely. Yep. And Jeff Grimes mentioned Helm as the NFL. Yeah. I should have mentioned Helm. I think Helm uh, is a draftable prospect. Uh, certainly after next season, I think he's going to be, I think he'll get more target. I think Texas tight ends caught 60 balls last year, I think. Um, and you got Nye Black coming in with Helm. I think they're going to catch 60 again. So I think Helm is going to be a good all-around two-way tight end. I think he does have a draft future. I've actually heard that from people in the building. They think he's an NFL player. So Helm should definitely be mentioned. That's a good pull by Jeff Grimes. There's um, just sticking really, really quickly here with this um, NIL talk, specifically with other schools. We mentioned Ohio State and Oregon earlier in the show. Is Is your impression, and obviously this is, you know, we don't have – <clears throat> the the metrics that we would like in some of these cases, but are they are they at a point right now where we've obviously got Nike Land and and Ohio State being Ohio State? Are they are they a premium on NIL? Are they are they putting out more than they should normally? I don't. Uh, I don't Oregon know. Oregon just yeah Oregon's paying a whole lot. They're not they're not getting a discount as far as I can tell. They definitely didn't uh, approach the Jabbar Muhammad uh, recruitment like they were going to get a discount. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know the specifics on Ohio State. Uh, they definitely seem to have their uh, their stuff organized up there. Um, the running back out of Ole Miss was surely not cheap, but yeah. I don't have any. I haven't heard anything. Texas didn't really go up against Ohio State for a guy this year. Um, otherwise, I would have learned more about them. That's why I know about Oregon because Texas was competing against them for for Muhammad uh, and Jamari Caldwell. Um, so yeah, Oregon's definitely not not afraid to uh, to come off with some cash. I don't know about Ohio State, but they, I mean, they, they just just getting Caleb Downs and uh, and and uh, the the running back out of Ole Miss that was that was a lot. So yeah. Texas isn't paying more. And I, I, I tell that to everybody uh, that'll listen because it's you know kind of the national uh, perception is that Texas is far out and away above uh, out in front of everybody, and that's that's just not the case. They're they're good and they're competitive, but they're not. It's not like they're breaking the market or resetting the market like you know like Texas A and M did in the twenty twenty two recruiting class or you know, what, what Oregon just paid for Jamar Muhammad would, uh, would surprise people. Let's do a little bit of a transition here. One of the, one of the things I think is really important again, is that we mentioned to you that a lot of this is coming from inside Texas.com. So these are our two of our main contributors. We've got our managing editor, Eric Nolene here and Ian Boyd, please check us out. It's a dollar for the month. One month you get for a dollar. Let us earn your business. Now, one of the one of the articles that you're working on right now, Ian, is to do with Makuba and Barron 
Uh, Baron's been thrown around a little bit in the chat, not necessarily in a favorable light in some instances. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, about your thoughts there? Well, I, Baron is the best all-around defensive back on the team. Um, getting him back was huge. Uh, Michael Huff seems to think that he's pretty good. You know, handed him the number seven jersey for that video that Baron cut on returning to Texas for another year. Um, I think he may have he played nickel for Texas for the last two years. And I, I think the expectation was that that would help his draft stock. But it may have hurt him a little bit just because you don't get to show off cornerback athleticism as much at nickel and you get more exposed to physical punishment. Mm-hmm. So playing Eric, what two thirds of the season, he was dinged up in some way or another. Yeah. Um, he played through, played through a lot of stuff that <clears throat> was not well known. So, and then they have Makuba who's very good in his own right. and seemed like he would be a credible replacement for Baron until Baron decided to come back between those two guys. That's, they're already so far ahead of where they needed to be to get better next year in the secondary. Um, I think Barron will get some looks at corner. That's kind of was the, uh, the appeal for him coming back and the, and yeah. the, the pitch. Uh, but at the same time, if they need Makuba at safety, that means they'll need Barron at, at nickel. And so there's kind of a cascade effect there. Um, so that's what they got to figure out this spring. Is yeah, the, exactly. These are, these are your two best guys. You got to figure out the best line, the best way, what deployment gets the most out of those two so that you can start developing all these other young guys to fill in roles around them. Uh, That's how I see it. That's what I'm writing on for tomorrow morning. Everybody come check us out tomorrow morning and I'll, and I'll be breaking that down, but um, they're extremely versatile. Like Mukuba could play nickel or either safety spot and be as good or better as what Texas had there last year. Baron can play nickel again and be continue to be the best nickel they've had since Quandre Diggs. Or he could go out the corner and maybe put together a draft grade there. So uh, those two guys are huge for next season. Love it. We've got, we've got our first super chat from uh, our friend Justin Yarbo. He wants to know specifically from you, Eric, if we have any chance of cracking the top two in this year's recruiting class. Um, <clears throat> he did have that one number one class at USC. It's obviously a rare thing uh, yep. to get that number one class. What are your thoughts on that? And again, thank you, Justin, for the uh, super chat. Those are great way to guarantee your question is going to get answered. So thank you so much for that. You know, the class sets up well for Texas to have a high ranking. They have a lot of uh, highly rated targets on the big board, pretty much at every position. Um, you know, they're taking a quarter, uh, a solid quarterback already. Uh, I think he's probably a little underrated, actually, um, in KJ Lacey. They're going to go pretty big at defensive line. You can see, you know, there's a lot of highly rated defensive linemen that they're after. There's a whole lot of highly rated defensive backs, like always. The wide receiver class could shoot the moon uh, with highly rated players. So I do think they're going to be in contention for it. Um, there's a lot of offensive linemen in the state uh, that are highly rated, it, it, more so than typically. Uh, so I think they're, I think they're going to be in that conversation for the the top two or three. Uh, I don't think it's quite going to be the number one class. I don't, I don't, I don't think they quite have that push that they need behind them at this point. Uh, but I think they're building towards that. It's going to be a fun cycle. It's going to have its ups and downs like everyone does. It, 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 nobody lands all their targets. Um, but, you know, they, they're kind of built out a personality here where we can expect them to have a pretty big uh, June and July. Uh, the June official visits are going to tell us a lot. We like to say the June story, the June, t- sto- June, t- July tells the June story. It's a lot easier to write than say. Uh, but 
all the recruiting that they do between now and, and June tends to pay off in July. Uh, I think they're laying the groundwork for it. They might be a little bit more patient uh, than some fans would like, uh, but that's a proven approach uh, that they have working for them. Tight end, I see Craig Johnson asking about Jack Van Dorseler uh, from South Lake. Uh, that tight end is another position in Texas that is incredibly talented. Uh, Keati Armstrong at Jasper is a strong chance. He's a big inline tight end that's a, uh, that's a good receiver all, all, as well. And then you've got Nick Townsend, who I think is sensational, probably a top 75, top 50 player in the country out of Spring to Caney. I don't even think on three has him rated yet. Uh, so, that you know, that's it's a talented class. So, Jack, I think they kind of backed off of Jack a little bit. Uh, he is a good player. There's no doubt about it. But tight end is another class. They're, they've got a lot of really talented guys at the tops of their boards, pretty much at every position. Linebacker Johnny Nansen's got an excellent opportunity uh, to, to, you know, punch hard in this first class. He's got, he's, he's got all these contacts out West. Uh, he's got a, he's got a really favorable big board in state. So, I, you know, I think the class sets up really well for Texas to finish top three. I don't think it's going to be number one this cycle, uh, but I think they're building towards that and you could possibly see that in, in the next year or two. What is that? They have to go national to finish that high, right? Because yeah, like, they're going to have to hit on, they're going to have to hit on some D linemen probably nationally. Um, you know, wide receiver, they don't really have to go national, uh, but they're looking at Marcus Harris out of modern day. They got to Corey and Moore. Who the, you know, there's certain guys that they're going to have to get if they want to uh, crack that top one or two. You know, they'll have to flip DK Moore from LSU. Um, you know, who's another? Devin Sanchez. They're going to have to flip a guy like him from Ohio State. They're going to have to win a guy like Dorian Brew from Ohio State. Um so yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. Uh, but this the the cycle hasn't even really started. Even for kids that think they're committed and the cycle is pretty much over, they don't know. They're 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 not done. They're not done recruiting. DK Moore's not done taking visits. Um, so we'll see. There's still a lot of meat left on the bone. Uh, the the class is gonna go in a few different directions. It always does. Who would have thought that you know they remember when they backed off of Zach uh, Zach Evans and went right after uh, uh, Bijan. You know, we saw that again with Baxter and Ruben Owens. Uh, this, this last cycle, we saw it with Ryan Wingo and Micah Hudson. Uh, so guys that, you know, weren't really priorities at, at this stage in, in the cycle are going to end up being, you know, much, much more household names for Texas fans to know. We don't even know who they are yet, uh, but more names will emerge. Even last year, Texas looked like they were going to take another in-state running back to pair with Jared Gibson. They went out west for Christian Clark. Um, so there's going to be some new names that pop up. That's always one of the exciting aspects of a, of a recruiting cycle. But, yeah, they'll have to, they'll have to go national to – to compete for the top top spot, uh, but it's a good cycle in state. It's a better cycle in state than it, it was this past year. What is what is the true outcome? What is the true meaning of getting a top class? And the, what I what I mean by that is obviously people are filling needs. Yeah, they're filling indeed. areas that they need. I mean, does this is this one of those things where this this helps the coaches renegotiation or? What is the real upside to having a number one class? I mean, it's just an aggregation of, of, of elite talent. It's a macro look at the talent. Uh, you know, you want five stars over three stars. That doesn't mean there aren't some three stars that are better than five stars. Uh, you know, but in aggregate, the five stars are going to be better than the three stars. But really, it's about fitting needs. It's it's about matching your fits to your scheme uh, and filling needs within the roster so you don't have any roster holes. That's what, you know, Texas has had to use the the – portal a little bit less each year to fill needs it's kind of like we have got guys on this list that, are, that were luxuries actually uh look at how bad they were they were recruiting the portal for you know ben davis and uh you know rashawn thornton uh you know guys that they had to have now trey moore is a luxury so it's really about filling needs and, and keeping your roster at peak health 
at least to the to the best degree you can. But there's always going to be losses in attrition that you can't foresee. Guys going to the NFL early. Texas losing a lot of guys to the NFL early. Four guys, I think, that could have come back uh, that were juniors. That's a lot. Um, but, yeah, matching needs, man. Fit, fit, Get the right guys to your scheme and, uh, and fill your needs. Elsie, you there, is, there is uh, also an answer to your question. I do think that with some athletic directors, coaches have boosted their stock by bringing in top classes and it, yeah. it could be like an ace up your sleeve. It's like, well, you're going to fire me. Like, or don't you want to see how these recruits pan out? Right. Right. But it could also work against you when you're talking about a number one class. I mean, look at Texas A&M. Right to the expectations. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even get those kids to their junior year, Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. Before the uh, expectations had, had brought everything down. Right, so and that was never that was never really a number one class to me too because it had too many holes in it. Like everybody got caught up in the five stars on the defensive line, but it it was not a fully built out class. You know, you can usually tell what your needs are uh, at this point in the cycle. Like you know, we know Texas is going to probably take three wide receivers, you know, probably take five offensive linemen, uh, probably take three or four linebackers. You got to fill those needs at the end of the class. That's why you know when we do a retrospective on it, you know, we're making sure that they didn't just you know land a bunch of talented players, but they landed. The, the players that they needed at the right positions as well. Uh, so with David Williams here, that's a good segue for Alex January. That was a huge need. Uh, Alex January is one of the most underrated guys in the entire class. So, you know, obviously I'm going to disagree uh, with on three, dropping him out of the top 300. I think any, any large kid that can move his feet is basically a four star. If he's even got an average work ethic, uh, I believe January is more technically sound than most defensive linemen his age. Uh, he's big. He can move his feet like we just talked about. So he's, to me, he's easily a top 150 guy and not just a 300. And I really like Daniel Cruz. I think that guy has an incredibly high floor and a high ceiling for a center. He, you know, he's got tackle feet. He's got the, the abilities of a guard to anchor, anchor, and then he's got center intelligence and quickness. So he's pretty much a can't-miss prospect as far as I'm concerned. And Kyle Flood would laugh at that ranking. Kyle Flood treated Daniel Cruz like a five-star. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I, everybody's going to have their own opinion, teach their own. <clears throat> I don't really get all caught up on what others think about uh, Texas's prospects because I have a lot of trust in my own thinking. Uh, but, you know, rankings are fun. It's for, for people to discuss and, and, you know, cuss and discuss, but it's just one man's opinion. It's it, it, They're meaningless once the guys hit the, hit the uh, program, and most of those guys are already in the program. Uh, speaking of opinions, we got a really positive one for, for those of you that aren't with us on inside Texas, we brought in coach Williams, uh, to the team who's already started to really bring some, uh, frankly, pretty great insight specifically in the off season, what's going on with the players, how the schemes are being put into place. Uh, it's a great pickup, uh, having, uh, Charlie Williams on the team. So it's good. Uh, we really appreciate you noticing that because he's, uh, is certainly a, a massive, pick up for it's us gonna be, it's going to be fun to see where he goes because he's got a lot of connections in dallas and he's going to get on some big uh big recruiting scoops uh later this summer i could tell a lot of contacts in that community a lot of people are excited to see him with inside texas i know he ran into texas coaching staff the other day he said he's a he they told him he was the enemy now even they said that jokingly of course um but yeah it's gonna be fun charlie charlie was really good on camera too so we're gonna have to get him on here uh more often as he as you know as he gets more familiar with the recruits and the in the class, but he was really comfortable on camera. Yeah, he's great. Uh, what do you guys, this is, this might be a bit premature, but when do we see that, uh, that spring roster coming yeah. out? That's usually yeah. in March, I think. Um, yeah, they want to do all their winter stuff first. 
Yeah, they're going to let these guys get their weight up in the uh, weight room. They're hitting the weights hard right now. It's going to be a time to put on some size. Uh, that's usually, I think, a week or two before spring ball. But I could, I could be mistaken. That's a that's a Joe Cook question. That Joe Joe handles all that stuff. Uh, where is Joe? What's he doing? Joe Joe's got a basketball game. Oh, that's right. Maybe I should start texting him and Malik too. There you go. Well, we've got. We want to thank the two hundred nine people that checked this out. I really appreciate you watching this. We'll get you over to the basketball game real, real soon. But there's, okay, this is a question that's come up a lot. We specifically to do with majors. We've already noted that he could be uh, an NFL player for us. But what, what do we, do we have any concerns about major size going into the SEC? He was big enough in Tuscaloosa last year. Okay, fair point. We're going to put that away. All right, guys, we are, uh, we're heading toward the, uh, the closing here. If you've got any more questions, please put those in. Again, we want to take this opportunity to, again, once again, invite you to Inside Texas. Check us out there and do us a favor and like and subscribe to this thing. It doesn't cost you anything, and it really helps us in the long run so we can develop more of these shows. Is there anything that you would like to close with tonight, Eric? No, no, I mean, I'm good. It's good to see my buddy uh, David Williams uh, on these chats. He was uh, a prized Inside Texas subscriber. Uh, David, why'd you go, man? Where, wh- why'd, you, uh, why'd you leave us for YouTube of all places, buddy? Come oh, on, man. God, Talk geez. to me. Wow. And Bob is- Windham, Bob Windham, why are you always so negative, buddy? It's January. <laughs> it's Jan- There's nothing to be negative about. All right, what's Huff Text talking about? Oh, my gosh. Uh, All right, well, y'all. He, he, Huff Tex is a old uh, is a as a lifter. He's a power lifter, so he loves hearing about all the all the workout stuff. Well, this is a prime opportunity for us to just lob bombs at the chat. Uh, they can't really respond to us, so that gives us an opportunity there. So I appreciate the uh, the free the free fire we have on our our fan base. So thank you so much for checking in today. We really appreciate you uh, spending your time with us. Go check out the. The basketball game, check us out on InsideTexas.com. Again, it's only a dollar uh, for a month. Let us earn your business. We'd love to see you there. And if you've got nothing else, Ian, we will say good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, y'all.